Welcome to the Speak the Language podcast presented by On X Hunt. We are not in the studio today. We are sitting at Brad's place that you affectionately refer to as River Falls. River Falls. River Falls. Yeah, we kind of named it that because there's a, a really cool waterfowl right in the center of our property, and then it it borders the Big Black River, is our you know to the north. So we kind of came up with something, and it kind of stuck, and it, that's that's what we call it. Yeah. So this is our home place, and we you know we have a little acreage here. So actually, you and I are gonna hunt here this afternoon. Yeah, that's more or less. I get kind of the topic of discussion where I wanted to take today is. You know, I, with it going, I haven't been deer hunting with you and Jimmy like I have done in the past years, but I came out there to the, the new camp five mile for the first time at the end of last week, which was, in my mind, I was like, well, if you're going to go, now's the best time of the year to go because we're, as we're seeing, starting to start do some rut things. But you didn't see nothing on your first trip. Out. I didn't see a thing. <laughs> well, no, that first I- afternoon when I went uh, – scout hunting pretty much oh yeah yeah yeah. you saw I a shooter a management buck and a bunch of does about that, a dozen yeah. does yeah there's a lot of deer there numbers wise and actually we got a picture from jimmy a little while ago and he had he and justin had went out this morning and he shot a pretty nice he's one of the bigger deer we had pictures of and mm-hmm. it was a, he's just a seven point but nice frame real heavy probably yeah. 220 pound deer something like that yeah he was fired up Oh yeah, he's hard. I mean, that's his third buck this year, I think, and he's <laughs> he is talking to he's talking to smack now. <laughs> he can't help it. Is it the, he loves it. Yeah, he can't help it. What do you think? All right, so like first impressions, five mile. What do you think? What do you what What are your first impressions? I guess yeah. I should say. Well, you know, it's it's been so. Everybody listening to this has had the same challenges we had this year in Mississippi with the drought. You know, it didn't rain hardly at all in September or October for that. And a few little people got a few showers in October. But um, so we had a real struggle for the whole fall, both from a hunting standpoint and from food plot standpoint. Then we get into November, we get a little rain, and um, which in a way we had record warm temperatures for like two weeks. I mean, it was yeah. t- it was really miserable hunting, mm-hmm. but kind of funny how Mother Nature takes care of things. But that really kicked our food plots off that were yeah. a month late. Yeah. So now they look great, and we got some cold weather coming in. And so to get back to your question about Five Mile, we have hunted some and seen some nice deer, but we hadn't hunted near as much as we usually do by now. Yeah. Just a new place, getting it figured out, moving stuff in, hanging stands, and we just. We were kind of a little bit late getting it set up, mm-hmm. just the way it all worked out. And then elk season kind of slowed us down a bit. Um, but I enjoyed it. I killed the first deer that I've shot on the place yesterday with you. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, for people listening to this that don't know, in Mississippi, you have what's called a DMAP program, Deer Management Assistance Program. And it's it's offered, it's, it's run through the state. But the cool part is it is it is property specific. Yeah. Like you have a biologist come out to your property and ride through it. And if they have some harvest data from the past, they'll look at it and just give you recommendations on, okay, you need to shoot this many does. You need to shoot this many bucks because, you know, our density is so high that mouths is important. Yeah. That's one of the more, the bigger, I guess, questions that come up people were inquiring about. Cause to me, when, when I talk about the DMAP program on this podcast, I usually 
use it as like a point to talk about like how much I appreciate our Department of Wildlife. You know, because I mean, think about I, I don't think properties I know that properties that you've been on properties that I've been on we wouldn't be able to produce the type of deer they were able to produce without that program no way because I mean there's places not to be too specific but there's places out other parts of the country where I've literally gone and sat and seen a hundred deer you know and you get one deer tag you can shoot one buck for the whole year and I think you maybe then you can go buy doe tags. Mm-hmm. Maybe you get one or two, and then you got to go buy additional ones. But my point is, is that our state, like on our place here, River Falls, you know, we got, I think we got 20 doe tags and 10 buck tags, mm-hmm. meaning that those does and those bucks don't count against yours, mine, yeah. state limit. Mm-hmm. You know, and we got a criteria we have to go by. And um, as long as you shoot a deer and it falls in, that criteria written by the biologist, you can mm-hmm. apply that tag to it. And then you got to score it and save the jawbone so they age it and they collect all the data. And um, like next year, he'll look at it and you say, okay, based on the the, the age of the does, the lacta- la- lactation rates, he might say, okay, I want you to shoot 30 does this year. Yeah. If we're still a little high on the on the numbers. Right. So it's just a great program, like you said, that, the, that our – state game and fish i really applaud them for it mm-hmm. and and it's property specific so whether you got you know 500 acres or 5,000 acres you know you can participate mm-hmm. in in that program yeah i'm yeah. not sure what the minimum acreage is i think it's got it may be a thousand acres or you have to agree to kill 10 does or something like yeah. that yeah i know we we did it we had it at cottonmouth we had it at kudzu now we got yep. it at five mile yep but um, yeah, I mean, case in point, the deer you shot yesterday—if DMAP made that possible, you yeah. know—I mean, because I mean, doing you know what we're doing, trying to make shows and stuff. Pro, I mean, well, I don't know if you would have passed that deer, but it wouldn't have made it as well. Even if I, if that deer, if I'd have been hunting by myself on our place here, I'd have shot that deer as a management deer. Right. You know, it was a three and a half year old six point. Mm-hmm. I actually had decent main beams. I mean, it was a, just a big six-point. And, um, you know, so anything seven-point and less at three-and-a-half we shoot, anything eight-point that's below 125 mm-hmm. is considered a management buck. And then any deer that's five-and-a-half and older that scores less than 140 is a management buck. Mm-hmm. So if it's above, so if a buck scores 142, well, that's a trophy that you've got to count against your – you know, go against your state limit. Right. Same with eight point, you know. Yeah. And um but it's it's fun to do and it's it's just the numbers is the challenge here is getting the numbers and then the doze off. Yeah. I think I mean it just adds so much more opportunity in my point of view. I mean cuz I mean think about it. I mean take the size of the antlers away of that deer. That was a pretty fun hunt we had oh. yesterday. <laughs> Man, I, look, you know? I got just as excited sitting there with you watching that deer run up there and kind of push that door around i mean it's what hunting is it's i mean me and you sat in the blind and we talked we hadn't got to hunt together that much you you've been gone for a few weeks bird hunting you and Knox all over the <laughs> west and uh, which i was happy to see those smiles that you had with that with him um, but it just just a good time you know it's deer camp time yeah. went to the skin the shed we cleaned the deer it's just hunting camp whether it's mm-hmm. in your in your shed in your backyard with a couple buddies or 
whatever. It's just doing it's a tradition do. that we all love. And we, I don't know anybody that doesn't look forward to going to hunt camp. No, if they do, that's their problem. Yeah, or their lease <laughs> or whatever. You know. Yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. Come. I mean, heck. So, so before I came out here today. I went and hunted with a, a mutual friend of ours, you know, BC Rogers. Yeah. And we had, I mean, anyone that has chased ducks long enough know when you have overcast and little to no wind, it's just not a good equation. And, uh, but, you know, the forecast that all of us were looking at where we were at was supposed to be clear this morning. And to the point, you know, we get in the boat, we're going out there. And as we're driving out the boat before daylight, I'm looking at stars. I'm looking at the moon, and we're all going like, oh, man, this this could be good. Soon as, I mean, like, I'm talking minutes before legal shooting light, we were like, where'd the stars go? <laughs> I mean, it's just solid wall of clouds. Needless to say, the duck hunting was, was very slow. Yeah. We still had a fantastic time because we all sat in there in the blind and talking and telling stories. I hadn't seen BC in a while and got to spend a lot of time with him. But, I mean, like you said, I mean, it's just kind of, part of what you do at that point you're just sitting there enjoying it all yeah you just have you're making the best of it mm -hmm. you know if it was if it was sunshine and 10 mile an hour wind and you know you had six limits a mallard shot by eight o'clock that's that's what we that's what we go for but if you did that every <laughs> single day you mean it wouldn't mean as much yeah you know? i would have enjoyed that too but <laughs> <laughs> yeah and here it is two o'clock you know we're going hunting in about 30 minutes and it's still gray out there yeah and it's gray and dreary which does not the you know the the negative implications that it has for ducks doesn't necessarily apply to deer so right. um yeah, i mean it was dreary yesterday when you shot that deer mm -hmm. i just liked I, I mean the thing that everyone always talks about and for good reason but you always hear about the midwest rut the midwest rut the whitetail rut in the midwest and i've just after seeing what we saw yesterday seeing i mean yesterday when i mean i didn't have i saw that the first evening when i was scout hunting quote unquote i saw that management buck chasing does around when i was leaving the camp last week i saw that big buck chase those two does across the road i just like seeing the rut be what i know it can be because i just don't feel like us down here in mississippi alabama arkansas you know i don't feel like our whitetail rut gets the shine that it deserves because we have good rut activity yeah, down do. here yep. and you know the last six or eight years i've actually since i began you know do the still do the primo stuff but also working with whitetail properties on the real estate selling land stuff mm -hmm. is i went to a bunch of and I, i've had quite a bit of luck with some friends of mine in the midwest you mm -hmm. know they hunt the rut through thanksgiving yeah you know we've done it for years and yeah. then you come here and you still got good late season hunting over food up there but then you come down here first of december and you can start all over again yeah. and they buy a place down here and come stay through around christmas and you got the rut all the way to the first of january mm -hmm. and especially some of my friends from like nebraska north dakota and they're like man after we don't like that cold wind it's so nice in mississippi well i mean you know a lot of my co-workers at on x are from up around montana and oh yeah them, i saw this morning i think the windshield as we speak is like Minus 30 or oh, something it's crazy. <laughs> Had I decided to go on my crazy bird jaw on a week later, I'd be Ooh. stuck up there. Yeah. Lacey would be unhappy with me. That's pretty serious cold right there now. Yeah. So we had, I don't know if I told you this or not, when I was up there, it got, I think it got like six or eight below. It was colder than I'd ever been in. I'd never seen any negatives. And uh, we had to, like I put Knox out the first morning 
and he's running along doing his thing and i notice he like picks one of his paws up like he got something stuck in it which i wasn't alarmed at first doing the upland hunting stuff i mean he's, he'll get a sand spur or something so i go over there look he's nothing in his paw i'm like oh you know it keeps on starts another paw is looking at him like what's going on and they're like oh you need to wax him i'm like huh they had it's the same stuff that um they put on like sled dogs like like uh those teams like huskies and stuff yeah of sled. it's low temperature wax i had to put it on the pads of his paws because it was so cold he he could get i guess it was almost like getting frostbite or something and not realize it right because you don't have the feeling mm-hmm. i put that stuff on and he never checked up but that's how cold it was <laughs> You know, it just goes from – so we went from two weeks ago in the 82, 83, 84 degrees and muggy, and now Friday it's not going to get – Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Actually, Christmas Day it's going to be, you know, 12 freezing at night and, and 22 in the day, and we're just not used to that kind of cold stuff no. around here. No. Which I like it. I mean, that's tolerable cold, but that minus 30, minus 50, that's, that's brutal. I know. I told those guys, I said, man – Y'all don't understand. I mean, because when I drove from eastern Montana to western Montana, we had a snowstorm going on. I had to drive through like two or three different mountain passes, and I was white knuckling that steering wheel. I was mm-hmm. nervous as a cat, and I was like, "Y'all don't understand. I we don't get this where I'm from. Like, I'm not I'm not used to. I mean, you know, they just cruising along like it wasn't nothing. I mean, but uh, yeah, with this big weather front we have coming through for the hunting, I mean, for the ducks it'll probably be great. For the deer it'll probably be good. Well, you know, it just, the last time I remember this kind of cold snap coming in was about four years ago at Cottonmouth. And, you know, a lot of people that duck hunt, diehard duck hunters know this better than I do. But I know when you get, when you start getting freezing up that water mm-hmm. and you get snow in the field where they, you know, the water is limited and, those, and the snow's covering up a lot of food. You get that all the way to Arkansas, we'd be lo- we should be loaded with ducks. Mm-hmm. But when that freeze line is in Missouri or north of Missouri, that's why he, yeah. he, my buddies tell me, because, I mean, I still duck hunt a little bit, but not like they do. Yeah, I, I just I remember we were at Cottonmouth, and I remember there was a, the levee house that we all stayed at, um, which would be, if people watch those shows, the house we're always in with the yeah. mudroom and all that. There was that field right across the road that was not on Cottonmouth property, but we always could see it because it was just right out there. And I remember coming out there one morning, and that field was filled with snow geese and specks. Yeah. And I had never seen a goose in that field in my time there. And I was like, something's different. Well, I can tell there's already ducks coming down because looking at the lake in front of our house here, I mean, there's more ducks sitting on it right now than I've seen in two years. <laughs> I yeah. mean, there was some, you know, some divers out there, but there was several gadwall out there just a minute mm-hmm. ago. I hadn't had never seen nothing but divers out there. So yeah. I'm thinking this. They know they know more than we know. They they getting out of the way. I hope so. We'll find out. You but, know how I feel about ducks. Well, I know you like them, but I know I, I before you got here today, I went and did a little looking and pulled a few camera cards, and there is a lot of rubs out there that I hadn't seen that mm. wasn't there three four days ago. Mm-hmm. So they're getting serious. Let me, um, I thought about this. I'm glad you brought that up. So we had, I had folks always sending questions, podcast related, especially this time of year. And they were saying it, that I, I wanted to bring it up because it applied to what, what we we're doing in the time of year that we were seeing. And basically what they asked is they were talking about, they, they, were, they were like, during the rut, like like we're see, I'm seeing right now, like I said, I know 
I have this food plot where I'm seeing deer come to consistently, of course. And uh, he said, but I'm seeing, you know, he's basically saying that he's seeing deer off the food plot. I think he, the way he was describing it's like a couple, like 100 yards back in the woods. He's seeing deer running around back and through there. So I talked to him a little bit. I was like, do you have a stand back there? Do you have anything back there? He's like, no. Basically, I think he's, I guess, timid, like not wanting to go trounce around in there. And he was asking, he was like, do I bail on the food plot and try to get in there further? Your thoughts on it? Well, I I told him, I said, if you've got the wind and you're going to, I was like, maybe don't just go bull rushing in there, but maybe just ease in there, where you can, especially with it being rifle season, you yeah, know, yeah. just push in there a little bit where you can at least see what's going on instead of sitting back in the cheap seats and just watching them flash around through there if he's seen it happen multiple times. You, you know, it's, and and I pay attention to this, and my thinking is now I don't know what his situation was, but a lot of times, you know, we hunt a food plot and you hunt at a time or two, and let's just say all the deer coming from the south, mm-hmm. and so you're they're coming, you know, from the south, moving north of the food plot, so you want to hunt it on the south wind. Right, right. Well, if that's where you know eighty percent of those deer are coming for bedding reasons or cover reasons or whatever, a lot of times those bucks will sit there. They know where they know where these deer come in this time of year, and they're intercepting those does coming to that food plot. Mm-hmm. Or it could have been an acorn tree, it could have been a feed tree. Right. But right. if it was me, and I witnessed that once time, for sure, the second time I'd be down there with a climber. Yeah. But I would not leave my climber there overnight. Right. I'd walk in there, I'd put it up, and then I'd ease out of there with it on my back because maybe I'm too sensitive. But you've been touching it, you've been sitting on it. It's cloth. It's going to have some human smell to it right and you might as well just leave your jacket on the ground right there and i just <laughs> you know i just don't want them to know the least they know the the better we yeah the better we are yeah i just took it because like i said it, it's it's real easy especially because i think it's more localized to down here in the south you have a lot more folks that are hunting the same 80 acre track 120 acre track that they've been hunting for years and they've got stands set in similar places and it's it's easy to you know just be like well we hunt here this is the spot and you know i encourage folks you know if the like i said if conditions right and the winds are right get creative if you need to especially this time of year because i mean you might have a new buck that don't even live on your land show up Mm -hmm. i mean you might you might have deer you might if you do spook something it might not be a resident deer that's used to being there so Mm -hmm. but you got to go that man when they're moving like this you got to give them a try Mm -hmm. you just got to I, i i would only do it if the wind would let me that's the one thing i would never go against is the wind no matter what um but you know just when they're moving and they're on their feet and you know comparing the south to the midwest i hunted the midwest for 25 years mm-hmm. i mean you know from october i mean six weeks a year for yeah. a long time yeah and it's just as different the, those mature deer up there for whatever reason they're just you see them on your their feet more yeah in the daylight than we see our mature deer in the daylight so yeah you, you you better not hold nothing back right now you know for the next from december 20th 15th to the 10th of january i'd be pretty aggressive yeah that's the way talk, we've talked about that before like i don't know if it's the midwest or seems to be more open ground maybe that has something to do with it. you just see them more whereas here They're just on their feet more camera wise and hunting wise i maybe think so well i mean 
like think about yesterday when you shot that deer he didn't granted he didn't go far at all but he went in enough into that thicket where we had to go in there and we were like goodness gracious it was like some, how do they walk around in here they some brand new briars in there wasn't it <laughs> they stuck on everything it's so thick we kicked a quail up walking out. You did, yep. Like Made my whole day. day. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and, you know, another thing when you're talking about the rut and being aggressive is, you know, there's no there's no way of knowing that deer, if you got a deer you've had pictures of, you've been hunting all year, there, he might be three miles from here tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So I think you got to kind of pull out all the stops as long as the weather and the wind will let you do it. Well, there was, uh, it's been two years ago now, but that eight point that i shot at swamp donkey where it was like it, if i'm it was seven or eight bucks chasing one doe yep and they had trail camera pictures of him nine miles from where i shot him yep i remember that exact the same buck because we had velvet pictures of him mm-hmm. and i think it was i didn't we you know had on like okay the camera was here and you can like on onyx you can draw draw that line yep. and it'll tell you yeah it was like 9.1 or two yeah. miles from where Stra- i killed him at. straight shot and the thing is i mean you know folks could say well you know he could have moved there right after he shed his velvet maybe or maybe he was trailing the scent of a doe and he moved nine miles in the last day you don't know yeah there ain't no telling but like on our place here i've watching some of these deer you know, you have you'll have a deer, and, and you might only get a picture of him in one spot, mm-hmm. and that's all. He won't. You never see him anywhere else. And Rocker. then you have another deer. Rocker, Rocker was the same way at yeah. Cottonmouth. Then you have another deer, and I'll get pictures of him on five or six different cameras. Mm-hmm. You know, on over half the place, and he just goes from food plot to acorn tree to bottom. I mean, he just never yeah. stops. There was a um, Mississippi State Deer Lab. MSU Deer Lab is a pretty excellent resource as far as, you know, just whitetails and stuff. Oh, yeah. They're, I love their they're listening to their podcast. They very, do good. Very they well. do very good. Uh, they did a study where it was the, the, those radio collared bucks, and there was one of them. Like, I'm not even going to try to quote it because I would get the numbers way wrong. But it, it did – I mean, you do – like you said, there are the deer that hang tight no matter what, and then you have the ones that they're just travelers. They, they move. And some of them – some of them stay stay put until the rut, then they go to traveling. Some of them never really start stop traveling. They just constantly move around. Yep. But I mean, it was like that at Cottonmouth. Cottonmouth, it would be soon as December hit on the trail cameras. You'd be like, "Where'd that deer come from? Where'd that deer come from? That deer was in South Mississippi. Now he's up here in the Arkansas part. Like he's." But we hunted Rocker three years, and we never got a picture of that deer out of a half a mile radius Mm-mm. of a of a privet bottom he lived in even when and so this i'm assuming it all right if 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 there's new listeners to this and y'all aren't familiar with rocker rocker was a very large mature buck that we hunted at cottonmouth how long did we hunt him that me and you hunted him three years and yeah well jimmy killed him the third year we we hunted him when he was he was really big at and we couldn't make up our mind. He was either four, four and a half five. or five and a half. Yeah. But we decided, okay, we're not going to shoot him with a gun. If mm-hmm. we get an opportunity to call him up or shoot him with a bow, we're we're going to shoot him. We didn't that year. Me and you saw him one time with and following the, the doe. And that's the year he was for sure 170. Yeah, he was Could biggest. have been bigger. He was very big. Either four or five. and um, Yeah, and then the next year he was a little – but we had some – you know, they had some water stress yeah. with the flooding too. Um, and – Rocker hung out in a spot that we referred to as the secret bottom. 
There's a thicket kind of in the central part of the Arkansas portion of the Cottonmouth, and that deer had such a tight home range. And here's what's crazy is out of those three years that we hunted him, did we have high river all three of those years, or was it? We did. Yeah. Well, the first year was a kind of a normal year, but the second, the second year and the two. third year were the And every year we had a high river, Rocker, where he lived – even if we like his was one of the first the secret bottom was one of the first places yeah, to go under pretty low and every year he'd get pushed out to the levee we assume and we'd have to go to the levee mm-hmm. and then next year he's right back in there same spot he's crazy how he was <laughs> so yeah but, rocker is a, is a was a story all his own if those you could go back to podcast three years from now we're talking about rocker we were mildly obsessing over that deer <laughs> but you need to talk about trail cameras and the use of them you know there's pros and cons to it for sure but i sure have learned a lot more about individual deer like mm-hmm. we all have it's pretty fun to kind of you start putting a little pattern together and like for me here and, and, and my daughter morgan not that we we start recognizing these deer we start can age them better we know what deer is mm-hmm. it just gives us a better understanding of Okay, these deer we want to shoot, this group of deer we don't want to shoot. Has it been different for you with it being like this is, you know, y'all's y'all's place, you know, y'all trying to manage it a certain way? Has it been different for y'all since, I mean, that y'all pretty much control all the pressure on this place? Right. Like me, I won't use anything but electric. Mm. You know, once the food plots are planted, it's electric vehicles only in the woods. I just, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, I know you're going to spook some deer going in and out, but I just... I've seen those deer react to those loud four-wheelers and rangers mm-hmm. three or 400 yards away. Yeah. You know, that makes them nervous. I'm not – but people use them and kill deer all, every year. Mm-hmm. I'm just a little – probably a little bit more sure <laughs> picky about that. Right. Um, but I, we're we're still – we need one more year to get our age Where back you want right. it to be. Yeah. The people we, we bought the place from, they hunted it pretty hard, and it was a group of guys, and they had a good time here, and – and I mean, they own it. They could do what they want, but they, you know, they were shooting different classes of deer than what right, we want to right. shoot. Nothing wrong with it. It's just yeah. for each his own. Different goals. Yeah. Different goals. And um, I mean, they were all about football and cooking and deer hunting. Deer camp life. They yeah. had a ball here. You know, yeah. I know they hated to leave it, but it's been a great. We live here too, and um, and hunt here. But I, I say hunt here. I've hunted here twice this year. <laughs> <laughs> Had nothing much. I'm looking yeah. forward to going with you this afternoon. Yeah, well, it's gonna be fun. Sounds like. Mm-hmm but yeah that is that is interesting like to i guess just the different stages of and from going to i don't know probably the things that you've you know took away from learned at cottonmouth learned at togo learned at you know all the different places and now you have this place that's pretty much y'all your family's deer camp quote unquote you know well we've been we've we've really gotten serious about i mean i even i we needed more cover here so i I even got a helicopter to come, and we sprayed 39 acres with a helicopter. Hmm. And what I did, it was about six- to eight-year-old stuff, and I just killed everything because I didn't want it to start shading out and lose that that bedding, right, yeah. feeding habitat. Yeah. You know, habitat's everything. you got to have places for them to have cover, to have food, yeah, and, and, and rest. And if we, we were lacking that, so we're still building that part of it. And then we had a tornado hit here, and uh, – Gave us about a 27-acre thicket I wasn't planning on having. Yes, and now you got a lot of bedding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Surprise, bedding. Actually, we're going to be hunting on the edge of that this afternoon. Yeah. So um, I, I wasn't looking for that bedding, but 
I mean, I'm glad I got it now. I was a little disappointed <laughs> there for a while, but we it's all working out for, for Yeah, the, it was a pretty stand of hardwoods. Yeah. That was right where we climbed the first That's time. That's where we climbed here, the first yeah. time you hunted here. Yeah. Well, it is getting to be about that time. Yes, sir. Get ready to head out and see what we can do. Let's do it. It's been fun. And we got some, um, we got Christmas coming up in a few days and some good duck and deer weather ahead of us for the next five yeah. weeks. There's, like I said, it's, I tell my coworkers at Onyx, most of them for, are up north or out west. And they think I'm hearing me say, they think I was kidding. I was like, the best part of our hunting is yet to come. Because up there, the the best of what they of hunting up there is is over you know and i'm like no man now to the end of january is creme de la creme for down here oh deer end up for yeah. sure yeah, for sure duck always better in january but the deer hunting is good usually good all the way to the end now so for sure hopefully we'll have be able to get back on here in a couple of weeks and have a little more to report i like it <laughs> cool um well folks we're gonna sign off i hope you enjoyed the conversation as always if you have any questions please don't hesitate to send them in you can email primos hunting podcast at gmail.com uh if not we'll catch y'all back here for the next episode as always thank you for listening to the speak the language podcast presented by onyx hunt